0: Downloads of this show are available on podomatic.com and the Potomatic mobile app. My and I have been your closest friends for more than 10 years. We have never at any time stressed our age
1: or our grade of experience. tonight, I'm going to break that rule. I'm considerably older than Although I've never spoken to it, I've made a very deep study of these esoteric doctrines. I think
0: I've never begged anything in my life. Give up this desperately dangerous adventure and leave this house with us
2: immediately. I can't. Let us stay. Impossible. You better stop the things you do I tell you I ain't lying I ain't lying You know I can't stand it You're running around You know better your you
1: This is the Truth To Power Show on Radio for Brooklyn. I'm your host VJR Nathan. You've just finished listening to a set, one song from Psychedelic Witchcraft, Wild We Go, and another by Annie Lennox. I put a spell on you. On today's show, we're going to be having Hannah Weirs, who is an intuitive empath and practicing tarot reader. From a young age, she experienced sensitivities to energy, and now as an adult, she works with these gifts through a tarot practice. Her business, Spiritual Tarot, offers clients readings from a healing perspective, where she offers them guidance to personal growth and development. Hannah hopes that this perspective will help to remove the taboo nature of tarot within society and allow more people to be open to it as a method of personal introspection and spiritual development. She's based in Philadelphia, but can reach from anywhere, as her services are provided via social media. Please stay tuned for a reading after our interview, which starts now. Welcome to the Truth to Power Show. I'm your host, VGR Nathan, and this is Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm here with Hannah Weirs, um, and we're going to be talking about uh, tarot and empathy and the business uh, that goes, beyond, uh, goes behind the scenes look at tarot reading and the uh, connection. Uh, the connections that she's made in her life with the uh, readings and astrology. So let's start off with uh, um, what it means to be an empath. So if you could talk a little bit about kind of how your journey and what, how that you've come to the realization that you're an empath.
0: Yeah. Um, so hello everyone. Um, I have been an empath all my life, but I just think that I didn't really know what it was. It's not something that is kind of normal in our society. Um, But it's basically just the ability to feel other people's emotions, be able to feel I actually feel people's physical pain um, as well. So um, when I I kind of came into tarot um, as a way to cope with the emotions that I was um, feeling from others and um, it just really allowed me to kind of understand what I was experiencing psychically And, um, tarot really helped me take that to the next level and figure it out.
1: Yeah. So if you go a little bit more into those two parts that you have, the Mm -hmm. being an empath and also the way to to cope or to channel that energy. Yeah. So if you could talk a little bit about more about being an empath for, Mm -hmm. um, like how, how that plays out or how it first came to your awareness or that, that idea came to your awareness. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, I think when I was younger, I was middle school and high school, um, If I was in the same vicinity as someone who um, had an ailment, um, I could usually feel it on my own body. So if I was around someone who was elderly and maybe had, um, you know, some kind of joint pain, I would feel it in my hands. Um, And then if I had family members who had a migraine or headache, I would often get it too. So I would just always ask them, like, hey, did you, how'd you feel today? Like, you know, and I'd be like, I know, because I felt it too. Mm. Um And, you know, so that was always normal for me growing up. And I didn't really think anything of it. But as I got older, it started becoming intrusive, I guess you could say, like, I, it just became distracting. And that's kind of when I realized that I needed to look into it, figure out um, what I could do to kind of combat it, which is that's why i use crystals um and um just kind of protect myself psychically um from other people's kind of you know things that they're letting off which we all do
1: (laughs) yeah i mean i think that it seems to me is a very powerful energy Mm -hmm. that comes through you and it's something that um you're able to hone Mm -hmm. and channel and able to um you know make the most benefit tap into it would you say Mm -hmm. so then you're able to use that for the benefit of others for the benefit of of a, of a conversation. Mm-hmm. How would you frame that? Or how would you? Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, I think it's it's a choice that I think every yeah. empath makes. I think some people talk about how they feel victimized by it. And I think that when you become aware that you have a gift, it's really your choice on whether or not you want to use it to hurt you or to help others. So I just saw it as an opportunity to, um, you know, understand and connect with people And so now because I understand it, it doesn't affect me in my daily life really at all um, because I know how to kind of like zone it out a little bit. But in my readings, it's very easy for me to give you kind of uh, holistic health advice, I guess. Like I'll kind of talk to you and let's say if you're having trouble sleeping, um, it's very easy for me to tell you what crystals or Tea, or medicine, or walking, being in nature—those kinds of things—that I know will help your physical health as well as your spiritual health.
1: So sure, sure. So it seems like uh, that self-care, that practice of self-care, mm-hmm. was then translated into a way to help other people. Um, you know, kind of engage with that kind of level of self-care, but also um, have help them get in touch with their own uh, empathic um, side. Would you say, or mm-hmm. how does it? How does that process? Awaken in them, would you say? Um,
0: yeah. yeah. I think that um, it's, yeah, it's like a, a self-awareness, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so if people are coming to me for a tarot reading, they're probably not thinking about their physical ailments, let's say. Yeah. Um, they're asking me about a problem that's going on in their life. And then um, usually what ends up happening is something in the emotional energy body is also manifesting physically. So I could, you know it's a way of connecting those things and saying, Hey, when you're stressed out about this, let's talk about it with the tarot. But then also you can help yourself and heal, um, you know, by doing X, Y, and Z in your own life. So,
1: yeah. So, uh, when you were introduced to in the tarot and you started, uh, now I understand you, you were looking at how'd you research or how'd you start to learn about the tarot?
0: Um, I really have to give a shout out to the YouTube community for yeah. that. Um, I am self-taught. I uh, I don't really know what initially drew me to tarot other than just kind of hearing about it and maybe, like, seeing pictures of it online. And um, there's a lot of really great YouTubers out there who I started learning from. And, um, you know, and then I just kind of learned that it's about using your own intuition. And it's not really about having, like, what people like to call psychic ability. It's really about tapping into your own intuition, which everybody has, and um, trusting it enough to learn the tarot. And, um, you know, so it, I definitely, I think the number one thing is people always think that, you know, you have to be psychic or special to learn tarot, and that's just really not the case. Um, I think everyone has that ability in them. And um, I that's the first thing that I learned when I started researching, because um, I had a lot of self-doubt. I was like, I can't do that. I'm not, like, really psychic, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And through kind of researching and learning, I learned that it's just a skill like any other, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, People don't just know how to play the piano overnight. Um, So it's just something that you have to dedicate yourself to, and Mm -hmm. I learned that, and by researching it, I um, really grew to love it. Yeah. And learned that it came very easily to me. So,
1: yeah, it seems to me that what you were tapping into is that, you know, we have this um, emotional landscape and you're mm-hmm. journeying into that emotional landscape and journeying into that, um, distinguishing it from what the the pop culture and what the um, common interpretation of being something div- divorced or, you know, being psychic seems mm-hmm. to be somewhat de- detached. Can you define like being psychic and how you differ from that? Like, you know, it's like being psychic and yeah. sometimes refers to something. Very out there, but yeah, yeah, I think
0: it's something that when you start learning tarot or diving into um any kind of like metaphysical interest, um, you know, you get a lot of people who are skeptical and mm. who are like, Well, what like, you know, how do you define being a psychic kind of thing? And mm. um I yeah, like I think Hollywood does a lot to kind of skew that interpretation of like what's real and what's not. Mm. Um, so that was something that I grappled with a lot in the beginning. Like, do I call myself a psychic or what, But I really identify with the word intuitive a lot more. Yeah. Um, and, th- and I think it's all about choice. I think that, you know, if I wanted to be the tarot reader that was like, you will get married in a year and yeah. you will and do fortune telling, essentially, then, then that's okay. I think some people do that. But that was never really my focus. Yeah. Um, I always wanted to focus on spiritual growth and personal development and making yourself better regardless of your religion or whether or not you even believe in it. So, um, and that's why I feel like intuition or being an intuitive tarot reader is a lot more, like, Mm all-encompassing. You don't need to, you know, believe that psychic abilities are real or not in order to benefit from it.
1: (laughs) So in the tarot world, there's many decks. There's many different versions of the tarot. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, most popular being Rider-Waite or most famous being Rider-Waite. And then there's many artists who have reinterpreted or interpreted mm-hmm. the the different symbols of the tarot. Uh, can you tell a bit about which decks you uh, have a preference for or which decks really connect with you and kind of give me an overview of the different decks? Yeah, Yeah, of course.
0: Um, so I really do identify with the Rider-Waite-Smith deck. That's the one I use mm-hmm. the most. Um, and that's the one I learned from. Um, I have other decks, but I've learned that... Um. You don't really need them. Like, I think it's, you know, when you start, um, when you have a hobby, it's nice to kind of collect a million things, but they really all function in the same way. So I've learned that some of the other decks that I have um, are good for certain purposes. Like, I have um, kind of like a, an, a another deck. It's, you know, it's kind of like a renaissance theme one. And that one is really great for diving into personal relationships because mm-hmm. the people are very animated. Um, so you'll learn with certain decks that they're good for one kind of reading and not another. But the best thing about the Rider Waite Smith deck is that you can use it for everything. Yeah. Um. And the same with Oracle decks. I know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of readers out there who love their Oracle decks and. I kind of feel like they can be a little watered down, so I like to use them on top of my readings. But mm-hmm. I don't feel like I get as much from them. I really do love the Wild Unknown. It's a very popular deck, and I do use that in tandem. But um, I think that you know they're they're fun if you're an ad, like an avid reader, but they're not 100 percent
1: necessary. <laughs> so if you can just give a quick um, kind of definition or kind of thing of The difference between Oracle decks Mm -hmm. and Tarot decks. Yeah, yeah. so Tarot
0: decks um, are going to have the 78 cards. They're going to have the Major Arcana um, and the Minor Arcana. So it's kind of these, um, it's a very specific system of having um, your Majors and your Minors. And even if the pictures are different, they're still going to follow that storyline. Whereas Oracle decks are just uh, kind of a, freeform card deck so they'll maybe take ideas from the traditional tarot but they can be anything they can just they can have quotes they can have pictures that are different on them but they're much more freeform mm. um so they're really great for you know self-help or self-reading because sometimes they'll just give you that little message that you need every day mm. but um they're not like as popular for using for like big spreads yeah because you don't get, like, that deeper level where there's, like, multiple layers of spiritual insight
2: yeah, yeah. in it
0: that there is for tarot.
1: So it seems like uh, when <clears throat> sign up, you have a platform on Etsy and mm-hmm. on, um, what was the other platform, Instagram? Yes. That people can contact you. So when someone reaches go through the kind of the... the um, interaction that you might have so you have someone who will approach you or, mm-hmm. or message you through one of these platforms yeah and they'll and tell us a little bit about that process so, okay yeah
0: yeah so I do my a majority of my work is just online and mm. I think that that's the number one question I get up is like how do you give readings if you're not in the same place as the person and um my answer is very easy you know like spirit doesn't deal with space and time you know if I can connect with you and your energy, that's enough. So, um, most people will find me, I do have an Etsy, but I find more people on Instagram. I really like using social media and, um, they can just email me. And, um, that's kind of how we start talking about what they're looking for, the question that they're asking. And then, um, from there, I can either do a FaceTime reading with them if they want to talk face-to-face. Um, I can do a pre-recorded like video reading where I'll just like read the cards and then upload it and then they can see it um or sometimes I do email reading so that's just me writing them a nice juicy three-page essay basically about what's going on in their life so um it's really up to the person how they want to get the reading
1: so they'll come to you with the question Mm -hmm. and then uh you guide them at all or how's the Just coming with something that's concerning them, or
0: yeah. So, I think a lot of people come to you, um, not really sure what they want to ask. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, um, so what I'll do is I'll kind of, if if it's something as simple as they don't have feel like they have any focus or they don't know what's wrong, but they don't feel exactly right, um, I will sometimes channel their energy and actually get a message from their own spirit guides and, um, also get kind of almost like a spread from them um, so that I can, you know, find the best way to interpret the cards for them. So um, a lot of it I get just channeled directly from the Spirit. Um, mm. And then I use the cards to almost um, just kind of hone in on what the message is. Uh, but mm. I do definitely a lot of channeling work along with it.
1: Yeah, yeah. so take us through so now. Somebody um – you know you might message you for a question and then in your process mm-hmm. the, the how it plays out actually like you know you uh, I know on your YouTube video um, YouTube uh, channel mm-hmm. your YouTube video YouTube channel where you talk a little bit about the process of the meditative process um, and if you give an overview and people can look at that channel for, for more but just to get a little taste of kind of what's involved with um, clearing the space energies in your own mind yeah. to get to channel that how it plays out in uh,
0: Um, yeah, that was really an organic learning process that Mm -hmm. I kind of found works for me. I know not all tarot readers do it, but Mm -hmm. I think that it's, um, it really helps you put yourself into that right mindset. Um, but I, I really just meditate, um, and use visualization techniques to help me connect with the person I'm reading for. Um, and so it's just about kind of, centering and focusing and then um pretty much just using the energy of love as a visualization because when you are tapping into that kind of high level of emotion um and you know that frequency of energy you are opening up a space to kind of let um psychic energy flow back into you from that person mm-hmm. um and <laughs> i i I can't really tell you how I learned to do it exactly. Mm-hmm. I think when I was teaching myself, I got really tired of reading for myself. And I was like, I want to read for other people because I keep, you know, there's only so much you can really read from, for you. So um, I would start, you know, texting my friends and being like, hey, do you want a reading? And then they, I would just visualize them sitting in front of me and visualize them being happy. And that was enough for me to tap into what was going on in their life. So I'd be like, "Hey, are you like doing this, or like is this coming up?" And they'd be like, "How did you know
2: that?"
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and so I realized there's something really authentic when I started just playing with it.
1: <laughs> and then you'd like you use the deck to draw a few cards in order mm-hmm. to kind of let um, how would you say serendipity or like some kind of synchronicity mm-hmm. play out. So that then you know it helps guide it, like as opposed yeah. to just tying the energy. But you're also using the tarot in yeah. conjunction with that, exactly. Yeah. Like
0: it's almost kind of like. Because when you're getting these kind of like channeling insights, you're not sure exactly what's you and what is coming in. Um, And so it's very helpful to use tarot as kind of like a uh, reassurance that, you know, you're reading the right things. And it's very interesting how the two work in tandem so well together. Like you'll channel some, I would channel and then write, you know, so I'd write it down. And then I'd pull cards and it would be the same message. And I'd be like, okay, <laughs> I know yeah. this is right. <laughs> so it does work really well together. <laughs> so I understand
1: also you use like astrological charts mm-hmm. uh, in order to um, kind of know a little bit more about where the person's coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, if you talk a little bit more how astrology and astro- astrological charts plays into that. or yeah, yeah, that's
0: something that I got into more recently. Mm-hmm. Um, astrology is just such a huge huge topic that you can study for you know lifetimes um but i really just like use it using it in conjunction because i feel like there's so like essentially tarot is really all about um just different kind of themes um and then astrology really piggybacks on that too so when you look at the different zodiac signs um people just have these uh you know different aspects of themselves that and energies about them that just stay true to who they are. And um, if I know something about your astrology and your astrological background, it's kind of easy for me to understand the reasons why you make decisions. The mm-hmm. re- what drives you, what motivates you, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of helps me paint like a bigger picture than if I'm just kind of going in blind and pulling a few cards so yeah um it's more like to understand the person on like different levels so um astrology is fascinating and i think that when you start looking at it from you know a holistic perspective on who the person is it can really give you a lot of insight into the like what drives them you know Mm. so
1: so it seems to me like the energies that flow through all human beings Mm -hmm. uh is all kind of flowing through us. Is that kind of part of the philosophy? Like, you know, is the energy aspect of it? Uh, yeah. And how, like, identity might play into that and mm-hmm. what's your philosophy philosophically, how you interpret, um, you know, kind of the, the energy that flows through all of us and how each individual mm-hmm. energy maybe has an impact or the, you know, you yeah, get into totally. that kind of area. Yeah,
0: totally. Totally. I mean, I think that, like, if you're just using um, astrology to kind of, you know, know what your sun sign is like it that's very like the watered down basics parts of it but Mm -hmm. um yeah I think really when you get into it the reason why it's so cool is because it is it's like your energetic signature you know like you have this certain way about you that you know was given to you when you were born and um the way that you interact with the world and with other humans all has to do with that and I think that um you know I think that that's why it's really interesting to look at because it gives you insights into, you know, what makes you you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, like, yeah, it's just something that is great to kind of learn about yourself.
1: Yeah, good, good. So uh, now, one of the aspects, one of the tools used also is crystals. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, if you tell a bit about how they have lots of different moving parts here, but it all kind of synthesized into one um, experience. Mm-hmm. But we'll look at crystals for a little bit, uh, talking about the different kinds of crystals and how their kind of function is in this process. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so, I mean, I I pretty much fell into tarot and crystals and all this stuff. And I feel like if you told me five years ago how obsessed I'd be with some rocks, I'd mm-hmm. be like, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I think that, Crystals are amazing because they are something that a person has to experience for themselves. Um, It's the kind of thing that you try because people are like, oh, they're amazing. You're like, I don't know if I believe you. And then once you do experience that, you're like, I can never live my life without them. Mm. So I I started using them to kind of help me with my readings. Um, Once again, because I am empathic and I'm very sensitive to energies around me, it can be distracting when I'm doing readings. Mm. So crystals' main thing for me is to help me focus while I'm doing readings um, and to just kind of clear the field, you know, like just to kind of help me um, sort through anything else that might be floating around and focus on what's really going on. So, um, and the crystals that, I got into first were to help me with my empathicness. So um, you know, crystals kind of go along with your chakras, and I was really drawn to green stones um because they are for your heart chakra, um, green mm-hmm. or pink. And those crystals immediately helped me so much with uh protecting my energy. Um it was so i was wearing green stones and that was kind of what had my first baby steps into using crystals for you know protection uh, mm-hmm. energy protection um so i mean i'm kind of all over the place i love citrine um which is like an orange colored stone and that one's like a very bright and creative it has like a very um high energy it kind of like it gives you energy it's almost like when you're holding it you feel like you have like a caffeine rush Mm. um so that's really good for that and then um i also love rose quartz which is very popular for kind of inviting love i think it's really good for self-love um Mm. and um a lot of people like clear quartz just because it's an amplifier so it kind of amplifies your psychic abilities um but I, i i i use it it's not one of my favorites yeah um so it's crystals are a learning process you just kind of take one at a time, see what lesson you learn from it and then you know kind of go from
1: there. yeah it seems to me that this is a <clears throat> an art or a area that um, you have to really be in tune with your own emotional intuition, your own emotional psych, uh, psychology mm-hmm. and then um, it's not something like some sciences or something you have to kind of read a lot of books and memorize a lot of definitions but this seems to be more in tune with your own biochemistry would you say or how would you oh, totally. yeah 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 so um the question also is about um kind of the deeper philosophy behind it mm-hmm. and how it's informed um other aspects of your life so um can you go a little bit more into like how um you know uh a little bit more into the philosophy you'd a little bit of chakras and, mm-hmm. and this kind of stuff yeah, yeah
0: yeah um and just how it's kind of like affected me in my life yeah Yeah, I mean, I think it's just kind of shifted my whole perspective. I think that you're totally right about, um, you know, you have to be an active participant. It's not just knowledge that you can kind of learn and digest and then leave behind. Mm -hmm. Um, It's definitely, it's a shift in your whole perspective of how you see the world and how you see yourself. So using crystals and tarot, um, just I think the reason why it stuck with me is because I instantly felt it resonate as true. So it wasn't, you know, me just kind of learning something and you know, I in the past I've kind of learned about different topics and been like, "Oh, I don't like I get it, but it doesn't like feel like me." Um this was like the first thing in a long time that I instantly felt passionate about because it just felt so true and I didn't mm-hmm. care if hundreds of people were telling me that it was you know, made up or if that they were skeptical, I'd be, I was like, this feels more real to me than anything. And, um, so I think it's all about resonating and, um, and it helped me really kind of turn my life around for the better. You know, like I was, I feel more centered in myself. I feel more grounded. And, you know, if I am stressed out, it's helps me cope. Um, so it just really allowed me to be a better functioning person. And, um, Mm. I think a lot of people, that's like, that's hard for a lot of people, you know, everyone has their coping mechanisms. And, um, if something as simple as like tarot cards and crystals can do something better than, you know, having to go to therapy or medicine, you know, like Mm. you want to do that in the healthiest way possible for yourself. So, Sometimes it is as easy as that, and I don't think people realize that. And
1: yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. think it has a place and a role in uh, our lives that everyone can kind of gain something mm-hmm. from being in touch with um, the uh, astrological um, systems and the tarot. And uh, uh, <clears throat> but let's talk a little bit more about the uh, when the community that you're building mm-hmm. and how uh, when people approach you and the, the kind of synthesis of um, the process of Dealing with uh, other people's in this in this kind of format, mm-hmm. like when you first started to snapshotting, when you first started the process of putting up the Etsy on the Instagram mm-hmm. to today, uh, going a little bit into how the process has unfolded. Yeah. Kind of, yeah.
0: Um. So, like I said, I think the reason I started reading for others was because uh-huh. I <laughs> needed, a, like, I just was tired of reading for myself, yeah. and I know tons of tarot readers only read for themselves for years before Mm. becoming professionals. And um, that just wasn't the case with me. I had been only learning it for about six months, and I felt so supremely guided. Like, I just felt the push from spirit. Like, you need to be reading for other people. Mm. And I, once again, had a lot of, like, questions and doubts. Like, am I ready? But it just felt like it was time. Um, And, you know... That's why it, it is great to find that social media can be used for good. Um, I found, you know, there is a little uh, Instagram community. And so I would just post things and be like, hey, like, if you want a quick free reading. And then instantly people would be like, yes, like, can I have a question, blah, blah, mm. and um And it just allowed me to kind of practice and hone my skills. Um, and you really when you're open in a non-judgmental way to speaking to people about their problems, um, I just think that like beautiful things can come from that and it allows you to connect with people all over the world that you wouldn't normally connect with. Um, So I just started, you know, talking to people like, so that's what social media is for is to connect with people. And um, it just allowed me to talk to other tarot readers and get their perspective and, find people who needed someone to talk to um you know there would be people who just messaged me just because they needed comfort and you know I wasn't necessarily making any money off of it but I felt like I allowed me to learn my skills and I was also connecting with people in ways that I never thought that I could so it was definitely fulfilling and then that's when I kind of was like I'm gonna take this to another level and do offer readings that people can buy and you know yeah, yeah. do events and stuff like that <laughs> Yeah, i think it seems
1: like the uh, idea of the law of attraction also mm-hmm. plays into this yes that you're kind of putting out the energy mm-hmm. and you're pulling in the kind of results and energies uh like energies mm-hmm. which is saying how um moments where that synchronicity happens where you know you're kind of putting out the energy and then suddenly you have a
0: totally a pull in, yeah i think that i uh i mean i'm naturally pretty introverted i'm a little shy and mm-hmm. I never, you know, used to just, like, meet people on the street and have a conversation with them. And I feel like now, you know, I'll be wearing a crystal and people will come up to me like, oh, my God, and want to talk to me about it. Mm. And or, you know, they'll see my Instagram and then tell me, hey, I saw this. I really want a reading for you. So I think that it it's definitely invited people into my life, like, through that kind of law of attraction where I was like, I'm putting myself out – hear hey universe like I want to help people and then those people are instantly kind of just drawn to me in the most like kind of strange but great ways um Mm -hmm. and that's how I know that I'm it's the right thing for me because I feel like you know if people are responding on this like energetic way that you know it's kind of for it's the right thing to be doing.
1: Mm. Mm -hmm. So it seems to me also there's a whole lineage of a history of humanity that uh is all existing in that moment where you can tap into the energies of, you know, lifetimes and even more, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've been discussing previously about um, past lives and about uh, the different aspects of um, this psychic mm-hmm. landscape or this kind of landscape of psychological yeah. landscape. So uh, if you just go a little more broader into like mm-hmm. other related things that you've been dabbling in or you've been starting to explore that might be a little bit more, you know, like, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I think that you can't really get into tarot without diving into that whole metaphysical rabbit hole. Basically, there's no you can't really accept one without the other. And I I didn't know that going in. But now I'm really happy I did. And I think that, um, you know, it's just about accepting that we are very small in this universe, and we don't know everything. And being okay with knowing nothing you'll you start to become amazed with how much is going on Mm. um so yeah like we i mean i'm very interested in past lives um like i said i'm i'm not a medium but i do channel spirit guides so i consider myself Mm. a spirit guide medium which once again i was never really like even i didn't really even know that that existed until Mm. a year or two ago until i really tried it for myself um and yeah so mediumship is huge and i think that um you know like uh you met my best friend and she's very good at channeling um and being a medium and she's very uh claircognizant and clairvoyant and um just kind of n- learning and knowing other people who have different gifts from myself um is super cool to kind of be like oh wow like you can do this and like I'm a physical empath and you know she can't do that but yeah. when we work together we can kind of learn more um so there's so much out there
1: <laughs> yeah just to share with my own experience with this uh-huh. um i done some uh commu- i've been involved with communities uh shamanic communities Yeah. where we did um tr- journeying with the mm-hmm. drum you know where they have the drum beat and you listen to the drum play and then you're kind of journeying into the spirit world uh and uh for me there was kind of realization of the spirit animal which has mm-hmm. become kind of something that people talk a lot about the spirit animal the spirit um the spirit god being an animal or being being mm-hmm. the firm of an animal and also spirit guides, being teachers in the past people in the past or people in historically who kind of their energy kind of comes to you and these are all kind of parts of that that uh world of that landscape and then um like uh yeah but the animals the yeah, spirit animals has become mm-hmm. very much in the Spotlight. So, yes. if you talk a little bit more about like spirit guides, spirit animals, mm-hmm. the spirit these kinds. Yeah, of things. yeah, I think
0: everybody has like a different interpretation of kind of the same idea. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at like I was raised Catholic, and you know we talk about your guardian angel. Yeah. So you know my my mother is very Catholic, and we were raised Catholic, and she always talked about she knows who her guardian angel yeah. is. Um, and then you know you kind of take a step back, and maybe someone who is more into like the New Age. They're going to say that it's their spirit guide and then, you know, someone who has a background in shamanism um, is going to say, you know, they have a spirit animal. And really, it's just about like that energy of a guardian is there for everybody. Mm. It's just that they filter their energy into something that's easy for you to digest. So if it's easier for you to feel connection with an animal, that's what they will come to you as um if you are an avid catholic and you don't understand the idea of a spirit animal they will come to you as a guardian angel um so it's really that just it's just an energy which is what my philosophy always goes back to is that it's all simply energy and then our lens as humans how we can kind of interpret it Mm. is how it will come through so um I I love the idea of spirit animals, and um, I like to use, like, that for animal medicine. I think it's very, um, it's very nice as far as kind of, like, a way to use, like, self-care, like, what animal's working in your life, what animals are kind of coming up for you, um, and to kind of use that as, like, a daily practice. Um, So I kind of play around with a lot of different
1: Yeah, it's good to um also think of it in terms in the matrix of healing. Mm -hmm. You talked a little bit about kind of as being a healer or being a healing process. So it's not just uh kind of, you know, sometimes it can be seem like or can appear as like something very intellectual or very Mm -hmm. like, you know, for some people and then like getting into emotional landscape as we've been discussing, but also the healing aspects of it and how it can make someone stronger and better Mm -hmm. and all these kinds of things. Like if you talk a little bit about the healing aspects. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's
0: where um, I began, uh-huh. which is why I um, always wanted tarot to be about that. Yeah. Um Because for me, it was healing, you know, the emotional things I was feeling as an empath. Yeah. So I think that like, it, there's no reason to have it in your life if it's not helping you grow. Yeah. Um, so I feel like, you know, crystals are definitely helpful as far as healing. Um. And, you know, it's just about being an active participant in your own growth. So you, um, you know, if you're learning about this kind of stuff, it's because you're searching for answers. You're searching for who am I, you know, what am I doing here? What's my life purpose? Um, And maybe healing, like we're talking about past life regression. Am I maybe healing something from a past experience, a past Mm. life that I'm still holding on to? Mm. Um, And like I said, it's like allowing yourself to be open to the possibility that you know things did happen to you in a past life or you've been through you know some past pain um and looking at how it's affected you
1: it's a good vessel to put the practice a good vessel to put all the energy in so it allows it Mm -hmm. to um become more and more powerful and more and more useful Mm -hmm. so i think it's really great and i I think this is a good note to kind of wrap up on Mm -hmm. so if you have any closing thoughts maybe you want to direct people uh you can get out the handle mm-hmm. to your Instagram and then I'll kind of um you know I hope that people will go check it out and look at some of the videos on YouTube that you have the channel. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. There? So
0: I'm uh Spiritual Tarot on Instagram. And um if you search Spiritual Tarot on YouTube, you can watch my videos. Um I'm starting something new and doing like monthly kind of general readings. So mm. if you kinda want to know what my readings are like, uh you can watch them and see if that's something that you resonate with. So, wow. um, you know, you can find me on Facebook. I'm a spiritual tarot reader. So, um, yeah, definitely connect with me. Reach out. Send me an yeah. email. I would love that.
1: That'd be great. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. This concludes the interview portion of the Truth to Power Show on Ready for Brooklyn. I'm your host, VJR Nathan. You can follow me on Facebook at VGR Nathan Poet or on Twitter at Truth to Power Show. And that's a two, number two with Truth to Power Show. If you like what you hear on Radio Free Brooklyn's The Truth to Power Show, please consider being a sponsor of the show by going to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com backslash Truth to Power and click on Sponsor the Show link or RadioFreeBrooklyn.com backslash Donate to donate some funds to this nonprofit organization which gives a global voice to local community artists and speakers. There are many perks available for donating. Please go to patreon.com backslash radiofreebrooklyn. These donations are also tax deductible. Now I read from Shamanism as a Spiritual Practice for Daily Life by Tom Cowan. This is from The Creation of Childhood as a Stage of Life. Childhood as we know it did not exist in the Western world until around 1600. In researching family life in Western Europe, social historians discovered that around 1600, middle-class children began embarking on a pattern of training, indeed a pattern of life. The 19th century would be extended to the children of lower and middle-class families. Today, in the 20th century or 21st century, one critically assume that every boy and girl should traverse the same path from birth to adulthood, which can last until a young person is well into his or her 20s. In other words, Western society created stages of life called childhood and adolescence, in which natural mysticism of children would be systematically replaced by a linear, rational, scientific way of preserving reality, which we would make earlier childhood perceptions appear to be fantasy and make-believe. Considerable evidence suggests that childhood was not a stage of life until around 1600, when the Industrial Protestant Scientific Revolution occurred in Western thought and culture. The date is somewhat arbitrary, since obviously something like a stage of life could not be created and imposed in any one given year. Prior to the 17th century, children and adults shared the same world and lived in the same physical and psychic environments. Children were not separated from adult experiences, and segregated environments composed primarily of children of their own age, whose experiences were not shared by adults. For example, adults and children wore the same clothing, played the same kind of games, participated in the same storytelling events, ate the same food, slept in the same rooms, often in the same bed and engaged in the same work activities. The toys children played with were miniature versions of the tools that adults use or tools themselves. When adults and children were segregated in activities or tasks, it was due to the disparity in physical size and strength. A child would be given only those chores he or she was physically capable of performing. Children might play together for the same reasons. They were more equal physically, but they played the same kinds of games as adults. Folk tales collected by the Grimm brothers and others in the 19th century today seem alarmingly violent, cruel, and obscene. They relate graphic descriptions of incest, sadistic parents and step-parents, self-mutilation, maimings, devourings by wild beasts, etc. Themes of our modern sensibilities deem inappropriate for children. But we need to remember that these are not children's stories originally. They were just stories for all ages, listened to and enjoyed. Only when childhood became a stage of life and folk and fairy terrors were considered to be domain of children, did these stories seem somewhat wrong for children in need of sanitizing? When children lived in intimate terms with adults, they did not remain ignorant of the facts of life, sex, birth, death, and the need to take life. Children witnessed these events routinely, either among animals or among the, anim- the adults whom they lived. The notion that children are innocent and need protection from the realities is part of the modern sensibility that emerged around the 1600s in village and tribal cultures children and adults live intimately with each other children learn how to become adults by imitating their parents and other adults similar of course to how offspring of all species develop into maturity they watch imitate and strive to develop what the elders do what they seem remarkable to us in the 20th century is that children in indigenous cultures want to be the adults and want to be like adults furthermore tribal children do not in general fear adults run away when adults are present or show fear around strangers. It makes sense that the life force spent on survival would provide the young with all species with the natural desire to imitate elders in order to ensure natural growth into adulthood. Why did this more natural way of raising children not survive in the West? The need for highly educated populace that emerged in the development of urban life at the time of the Industrial Revolution produced the graded school system that has once come to dominate. Childhood and adolescence in the modern world. The ability to read, write, and perform mathematical tasks and a comprehensive knowledge of the extended world around us has become necessities to the evolving lifestyle of Western Europe. Today, the basic skills and knowledge you need to survive and participate successfully in our society require not only grammar in high school, but college and postgraduate studies and training. We have postponed adulthood and the responsibilities of adulthood well beyond the age of puberty when a boy or girl becomes physically a young man or woman. Many young people today postpone their full entry into adulthood, career or full-time job, marriage, becoming, a, beginning a family of their own, until they are in their early or mid-20s, or even later, a good 10 to 15 years after puberty. In brief, a person spends one-fourth to one-third of his life preparing to become an adult. This is not what nature originally intended. The natural mysticism of childhood, or what is described as the magical, non-rational thinking of childhood, is rigorously suppressed as the child progresses from grade to grade, level to level, learning the left braid, rational, scientific, technologically-oriented way of thinking and acting required for the modern world. This can be seen clearly in children's artwork. Until around 11, children draw very shamanically. A bird, a house, a tree, even a little girl's sketch of herself may all be the same size on the page. Curls may not correspond to the actual colors in nature. The child could care less. To a child's mystical awareness, the drawing makes sense. At age 11 or thereabouts, the child becomes frustrated with drawing and will copy the same sketch over and over, crumpling up each attempt and throwing on the floor in an effort to draw realistically, which means photophotographically, or the way it really looks. In time, the child's imaginative, non-ordinary perceptions of the world, transposed into the sketch pad, are embarrassing and childlike. And most children read most of us be convinced we have no talent. We stop drawing. From birth until around age nine, each of us lived through what may have been the most spiritually creative, mystically oriented phase of our lives. In general, parents and adults, almost as if they intuitively realize that the years are precious from the spiritual point of view, encourage this national mysticism. Children are accept, expected to play, fantasize, daydream, and dream, enjoying the fairly lower. Make believe and spontaneous games are second nature to us. Or perhaps adults, realizing regretfully that they too gave up this way of being in the world in order to become adults, hope to recapture something of this early life vicariously by encouraging their children and reliving it through the eyes of their sons and daughters. In tribal and village communities, children and adults share the major elements of their lives with each other. A child's activities and experiences more or less reflect those of adults and vice versa. The physical, psychic, and spiritual environments are the same. A child who encounters the little people in the woods, hears an animal speak to her, or has a dream about the ch- culture's heroes or deities, and shares experiences with adults. Somewhere in the village is a grandmother or grandfather, who also has had encounters with the little people, speaks with animal spirits, and dreams of the same gods or goddesses. As tribal and village children become more competent in physical tasks and assume adult responsibilities, they do not relinquish their natural spirituality which, with which they are born. Indeed, there is no need to do so. They see adults in the community who still view the world in these spiritually connected ways and leave productive lives because of it. Although our childhood visionary experiences were similar to those of a, tri- of a tribal and village um, children living in less urbanized and technologicalized society, we have suffered severe deprivations in terms of support and self-confidence. Most of us do not share private dreams and so-called fantasies with adults because we knew they did not share them. Taking us out is a song by North by Northwest called Last Days in Magic.